my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Everyone and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney and I am your host. And today we're going to talk a little bit about understanding the connection between HR and neuroscience and why it matters. This is a conversation that I've been looking to have since late last year, and I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today, Omazwa Isiramen. Did I say that right? Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me here. I am uh, delighted. Definitely. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. And I really appreciate you saying yes. So let's kick off the conversation by just telling everyone who you, who you are and what you do. So uh, my name is Omozwai Siraman, as you just said, and I am a high performance brain and neuroagility trainer. And so the core of my work lies in helping people become brain friendly in how they operate, in how they communicate, in how they solve problems, in how they implement policies, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all about using neuroscience, the insights that we have from neuroscience mm -hmm. to be better in our performance, productivity, and to be more able to navigate. I don't like to say control, yeah. you know, but better able to navigate all the things that we have to face just mm -hmm. as life happens. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what got you into this particular profession? How did you get here? A journey, I have to say, a journey. Um, I started out, yeah, I have a teaching background, so I've always really been very interested in seeing people thrive when they add on to what I'd like to call their puzzles. Uh -huh. so you've got a puzzle and then you can expand on that. And somehow I got into life coaching, and that's like back early 2000s mm -hmm. and um, I needed more after that right and that's how I got into emotional mastery NLP CBT and I needed more mm -hmm. and that's how I got into executive coaching so I did work with John Matone who was um, a coach that worked with Steve Jobs for a while mm -hmm. um, and I did my executive coach training with him and then I wanted more and then I came across neuroscience and then I just thought, amazing, how, how I, you know, it, it felt like I wish I had done that first because right. a lot of guesswork would have just Gone been removed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, if I had known that, and then it makes things a bit more tangible and it, it removes the not knowing or guessing or not really being sure when you're trying to help people, when you're even trying to understand something. Oh, yes, and so 
when neuroagility crossed my path, it just made sense. Mm-hmm. I've just felt that every time I needed something to upgrade, to up-level, yeah. it came to me. And neuroagility, really understanding that now you've got something with which you can actually help people to understand how they think, how they learn, how they process information, but also to do this with ease, with speed, with flexibility, and also unleash that potential everybody talks about. Yeah. What what does it mean? And what it means for that person may not necessarily be the same thing for another person, but that everyone can unleash it and you can actually do that with science I think that that's just very very amazing so it's been the path and I think like when I look at my Kindle and I look at my books I just think like my goodness you're not very very uh, you know diverse when it comes to the books because everything has something to do with the brain in one way or the other Uh but I I can live with that (laughs) (laughs) I can see that it's something that you're very passionate about so I really wanted to have this conversation because one of the things that I've been talking a lot about with my HR community is understanding why employees do the things that they do, why people do the things that they do, what really motivates and drives people to do the things they do, behave the way that they behave on the job, especially when that behavior is such that makes you question their performance at work. Mm. And I think that it's important for HR to recognize that as our role begins to evolve again, that we recognize the importance of becoming coaches um, Mm. more so than becoming the people who just write processes and procedures. In order for us to put people over process means we need to understand people. And to understand people, we've got to look at how the brain works and words that we can use to help promote and wake up those happiness chemicals in the brain that will help people to perform at their best. So that leads me to my first question. Why would you say that HR needs to be brain savvy? Um, I, I, I always love that question because I think that in everything we do, whatever field, whatever department is you work in, you always have to start with this premise that everything starts with the brain. Yeah. Everything starts with the brain. And the more you understand it, like in yourself, the better you can understand it in another person. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, uh, HR is really involved in when it comes to talent selection, talent development, um, performance management. Yeah. And then the idea is, okay, you're trying to manage something. But it is very difficult if that is just seen without actually looking at the person that you're dealing with from within. And I'm not saying the guessing. I mean that you have something to understand. How does this person um, feel in a given situation? Um, Is there psychological safety? Because it doesn't matter how much you're trying to manage and optimize. But if you've got a brain that doesn't feel safe, If you've got a brain that sees a dinosaur where there is only a lizard, it does not really matter. That person is going to be in a survival mode. That person is going to be in a reactive mode. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the fight, the the flight, the flight. And that's that behavior you just mentioned that you see that behavior and you don't understand like, 
that doesn't really help performance and productivity, but it's because of the state that that brain is in. And when a, a brain, what, what's the purpose of the brain? Keep yeah. you alive by all means possible. Yeah. Even with those reactions that don't seem resourceful. That yeah. is also a way of the brain keeping you safe. Mm. And by understanding that, it better helps people to see if somebody is not participating, if somebody is um, um, just not, not behaving in a way or, or producing or communit- communicating in a way that serves the purpose of what you're trying to aim for, mm-hmm. there has to be more than just saying this person is not behaving properly. Right. There is something is going on. The brain is in a certain state. So it's the question, is the brain in a reactive or a responsive state? Mm -hmm. And the more you understand it, then you can see if you're going to make an engagement policy, performance management, performance evaluation, what does that mean? Does that brain think wonderful, great talk? Or does that brain already go in this is going to be awful. Yeah. It's going to be negative. And that that you that cannot be left out of the formula, to be honest. Yeah. It has to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to understand how the brain functions and what it needs to get into a state of flow where it can be productive, it changes the way you operate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It changes the way you relate. It changes the way you understand. Mm-hmm. So I can catch myself. I can catch myself when I know I am triggered in a certain way. And I own my own responsibility by knowing that if I go to someone else in that state, that person is only going to protect themselves because their brain detects danger or threat. Yeah. It makes a difference. Yes. Thank you for breaking that down for us. And, and I was just thinking, as you were saying that the when we are able to fully understand the full 360 picture of yeah. that human being, then are we able to give the best advice and the best support that, exactly. that they need in order to progress or improve in their performance? So... That makes complete sense to me. Having that full scope really yeah. does matter. I wanna, I wanna ask you also with regards to when we talk about neuroscience, and I, and I guess really and truthfully, we should have started with this question first. But I think you answered it ultimately at the beginning, right? We're talking about what are the key drivers that make people do the things they do. Is that the full scope when we define neuroscience? Neuroscience um, is everything to do with the brain, um, how, how, what are our thinking processes, yeah? What are our beliefs, what are our experiences, just the f- cognitive, cognitive tasks, right. things like that. So it's really a broad area and then the question would be okay what are we focused on you know neuroscience was first of all focused on cognitive neuroscience and then it's all it was all about perception attention memory and along the way it it, it, it developed into social neuroscience right. 
say in the mid 2000s and then at some point we just termed the whole thing neuroscience right. okay so what is it about it really is um about understanding what exactly is happening when we have our management theories, when we have our HR practices, and what 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 role does the brain play in in in, in your case now with HR people? How do HR and leadership consultants? How do you understand and go about the fact that the brain is really important when it comes to persuading? people to be open less resistant to change because that's exactly what you're dealing with the yeah. whole time yeah. right yeah. and open to changing their behavior not to say change your personality but to 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 really understand what is your role yes what are you open to mm-hmm. not in a smack your hand you're, you're you're doing them you're making a mistake kind of way but rather to say how are you naturally wired and how can we optimize that yeah. so that it, it uh, you know, it aligns with the mission, with what it is that you're trying to do. Yes. And, and then when you, yeah. And, and when you have, mm-hmm. when you have policies, when you have social reward policies and you've got engagement policies and the things like that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this can't be done without the brain. Correct. How does it work? How does it react? Because you know how it is. You give somebody an increase in salary and then you wonder why is the person not happy after two days? Has the person forgotten the great bonus he or she got? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you yeah. see it like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's because, you know, the, the brain chemicals, for example, you know, do- dopamine, something needs to happen. A behavior uh, leads to the release of dopamine. Right. But it's not like you can store it. It's not like there's some kind of jerry can where you can just store it. So you have to repeat behavior. And that's why after two days or maybe two months, depending on what the sum was, somebody's like, yeah, okay, I got a bonus, but that's yeah, big deal, big deal. Mm-hmm. So performance is it's not static. None of that is st- static. What leads to high performance or what leads to productivity or this uh, having effective communication. These are active things that have to happen. And yeah. the brain of the person has to be in a certain state. And if we are triggering those that we lead or triggering those people that we support and everything is very robotic and just not 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 really focusing on the fact that I'm talking to a brain, I'm leading brains and the brain will always keep you alive by all means possible that's going to be quite a struggle. And so having neuroscience, I just find it amazing that we can explain uh, why it's important to include that in uh, our work, Uh, why it's important to know emotions matter. If you're going to do a feedback, give feedback, if you're going to do a performance evaluation, Mm -hmm. it matters. You cannot leave it out of the formula. Why, why may bias creep into decisions when, without noticing when you're recruiting people? Mm-hmm. So that it's, it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful add-on. And I think that the more, uh, as HR professionals, the more you know it for yourself, the more you can actually support yeah. people, leaders, executive, team 
leaders and things like that and the employees. Definitely. I love that you said we are leading brains because I think it's important that when we understand ultimately as we work with, with people in our organizations, why it's so pivotal to understand the neuroscience of what makes people tick because we are leading brains. And I think you just brought that down so exquisitely. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I wanna ask you because I think you've answered quite a lot of the questions that I, that I was gonna ask you um, previously, but I wanna ask you this in particular because I think that it's important for HR to understand that educating yourself in this space is important because we work with people. We are creating experiences with people every single day. So how does the neuroscience um, and especially neuroagility, as you mentioned before, how does that help HR when it comes to managing those reactions and responses that people may have at work um, in those particular settings when it relates to when we're dealing with performance, whether it be um, poor performance um, or promotions, disciplinary matters? Why is it important for HR to understand the language that we use matters because it impacts how people's brains function. Yeah, yeah, lovely question. Um, I like that you say language impacts the way people react. And the, uh, you know, as I already mentioned, the brain will keep you alive. Uh, the brain serves us. Mm-hmm. And it serves us in all ways. You know, when, when you know you're supposed to exercise and you don't, Mm-hmm. that's the brain just going for you know I don't want pain I want pleasure yes. and you may want to be you know have high performance but maybe you're worried about I don't know what maybe you feel overwhelmed maybe you're not getting along with colleagues maybe you just feel there's no communication so the brain is quite important in that And when it comes to neuroagility and what role it plays and why it's such a great tool for anybody that is in the people optimization and enhancement and development field, why it's so important is because right today, we, we talk about VUCA. I mean, there is no better time to see that VUCA in play. Yes. And things are changing so quickly mm-hmm. um, and people have to adapt so you, you you're a human but you have to remain on track if, if you know yes. one way or the other yes. and you have to face all the new things that are coming so where does neuroagility come in it is the ability to think learn process information with ease with speed and flexibility mm-hmm. and it's The only way that people can adapt, adjust, learn new skills quickly, unlearn unwanted skills, behavior fast, and be flexible in moving and understanding things using past experience to deal with the new coming along. So we talk about resilience, we talk about courage, Mm -hmm. but those things are not going to come into play if somebody has, we talk about growth mindset. Yeah, What what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It means a brain that is 
agile. So we talk yeah. about agile teams, agile organizations, which yeah. is top. But there is that person. Is the person able to learn, yeah. to adapt, yeah. to adjust, uh -huh. to embrace the changes that the company is putting together? Yes. And when you have somebody who is not neuro agile, who has a kind of, uh, who does not have an optimized uh, uh, a brain, a brain that is serving the person so that the person is uh, resilient despite change and that the person is able to always be in a state of operating and, and creating and being innovative, mm -hmm. that is a problem for any company. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. There are costs that you know, when somebody doesn't want to learn, you can't implement the changes that you want to implement. Mm -hmm. And so having neuroagility and making sure that your people are neuroagile is a plus for any company. That is where the competitive advantage lies. Yes. Yeah. Not only for the individual, right, but also yeah. for the company itself. So uh, a company that wants to succeed mm -hmm. and wants to remain on track has to have Agile people. Mm. You're speaking my language. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a skill, right? It's it a is. skill. So it's not it like is. we're not born neuroagile. No. And there's a saying we say use it or lose it. it. Mm hmm. Use it or lose it. So mm -hmm. it's something that has to always be, you know, you have to practice, you have to put it to test every single day. Yeah. So that you it, it 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 works and it's not like surprise, like what just happened? Like, yeah. oh no, I went to school long time ago and now I don't want to learn anything new. But things are changing. And we have to be things able to are right. You have to be able to adapt. Yeah. And that is what neuroagility is all um about. Yeah. So also identifying. What, are, what is your strength? Mm -hmm. And, you know, because there's a lot of talk about strength and weakness. I would like to say, what is your natural given talent? Ah. Because when you are using that, mm -hmm. when you are using how you are smart, not are you smart, the question should be, how are you smart? And those are things that come to you naturally. Mm -hmm. And if you are using that in your job, in your role, the more you use, the, uh, you just, you have job satisfaction and yes. which, you know, which company doesn't want, want that. You exactly. want people who feel satisfied and yep. well-being, right? And, and, and then you have reduced uh, um, retention problems because people are thriving and people actually enjoy what they're doing. Yes. And this all ties to the ROI of engagement. And there's no way that you can, you know, go for, expect to have an increased ROI on engagement if there is no understanding of what drives and motivates your people to yes. perform. And you can't have a, an increase on ROI and engagement if you don't have people who are feeling jazzed and excited about what they're doing every single day. But you have to understand the brain you are working with in order to be able to trigger it to do the yes. things that you want it to do. That's it. It's, yeah. it's, that, it's the thing that I, the reason why I love to talk about this is being someone who has a neurodiversity. So I suffer from ADHD. Now I say suffer, but it's not suffer. It's my superpower. There are days when I suffer, but there are days for the most part, 
it is my superpower. Um, and it's moments like this in having conversations like this where my brain really thrives. And then there are moments where there's stuff that I need to do, which may be the admin part of my work, even like putting editing and putting this together, putting all the pieces and the content together. It takes a little while because the front part of my brain is not triggered to do that stuff. So it takes me longer. But having this conversation and then putting it out there and seeing how people respond to it, I get excited by that. So it's understanding what triggers your brain, what makes it excited. And you know, for me, I have to say, okay, well, the end result is that people are going to love this. People are going to be able to relate to it. People are going to benefit from it. I have to focus on that to get me to where I want to be. Yeah. I, I love what you just shared. And mm-hmm. you know what I really love about neuroagility and, and is because it answers the question who you are in the sense of how are you wired? Yes. How do you, how do you learn? Yes. What influences your decisions? You know, do you have a right brain, a right brain um, hemisphere preference or a left brain hemisphere Mm -hmm. preference? How do you listen? You know, it's so important. How do you listen? Because the two is they don't necessarily listen to the same thing. Right. This listens to how something is said, but this ear listens to what is said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important. If you're a manager, if you're a leader, you need to know how do I listen so that when, if this is, if I, if I listen to how things are said, then the awareness makes, you know, I have to also focus on what is being said, because we want to be whole brained people. We want to be, we want to use the left brain hemisphere and the right brain hemisphere. Mm -hmm. We also want to process information and, 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 taking information from our expressive from the front part of our brain and the back so being expressive and being receptive and being left and right Right. not left or right right. and that is how we can use more of our potential Mm -hmm. and knowing where do i have a risk for human error when it comes to how the sensory modes of processing information and that combination with the brain hemisphere it's so important when you know this is why I am the way I am. And that is your starting point for any intervention, for any change program, for anything. And you work with who you are. Yes. And that's so beautiful. That's so empowering. It is. It definitely is. I love that. I could sit and talk to you on this topic all day long. And I feel like at some point we may, we're definitely going to have to do a part two of Mosby. Yeah, yeah. Definitely will. Yeah, I love that. I want to ask you for HR professionals who are hearing this, being triggered to learn more, where can they go? I would say start with anything that says, um, you know, basic brain basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brain basics. Brain Just basic. understand brain, brain basics basic because it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're going to become a neuroscientist. You don't have right. to become a neuroscientist, but exactly. just see like you know things neuroscience basics and how does this um, impact leadership and how does this impact. Um, 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 uh, 
business and how does it impact feedback yes right so those are the kind of things that are great things to start with okay the the scarf model by david rock is just really such amazing thing because Mm -hmm. it, it focuses on this status certainty um autonomy relatedness fairness which are so important when it comes to engagement and job satisfaction and feedback and so there are quite a lot of things that one can do so uh to start with and when you know these things it changes also the way you can support let's say a, a, a manager who is struggling to manage his team yes but also if uh, employees who are not coping well with stress. Mm-hmm. Or even as HR, trying to develop a relationship with your key stakeholder, whether that's your CEO or your CFO, um, it really does help you to have a better understanding of what makes yes. them tick, which then allows you to be able to put yourself in a position to enhance yes. that relationship using that knowledge. So yes. Yeah. whatever you identify right if you identify in yourself and you can identify it in in another person and I just find that if when we talk about diversity and inclusion I find isn't it amazing that the brain is the most inclusive thing we all have Mm. it's Mm. the most inclusive because you see it's not a girl it's not a boy it's not it, it doesn't come from there and not there yeah it doesn't get more inclusive uh-huh. than that yeah and that's that is that is it, it gives us a joint language that removes out all the personal and the biases because when you know oh this is how you are yeah you know we have people who do the neuro agility assessment the profile and then they get their results and when we do group group debriefings they go like what what, what's you know how are you left right left dominant okay and and what's the figurative language of the brain are you know are you an analyst or are you a strategist or Mm -hmm. are you a counselor or doer like i'm a counselor and then people like my goodness that's the way you talk the way you do and the magic it is okay Mm-hmm. I don't need to change your personality. You are just the way you are. are. And the awareness allows for respect and the ability to approach each other and to yeah. respect that's how you are. That's how I am. But we actually together can create amazing mm-hmm. things where nobody has to mm-hmm. change who they are, but yeah. also to understand behavior better. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Woo! Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. So (laughs) I want to, so you've given us an idea of where we can go to get started on learning. Now I'm going to ask you to go to your, your archives or your bookshelf and like, what are the top three books that you would recommend for HR professionals to indulge in, to get a better understanding of what neuroscience is and what neuroagility is what are your top three books so my top three books for um i like the book brain rules okay that's one uh-huh. uh it's by john uh, medina i like uh-huh. that i also like the book um let me see another one there's there's a book called um brain savvy hr Ooh. 
Brain Savvy HR. That's mm -hmm. by uh, Jan Hills. Okay. Yeah. And there's also the Brain Savvy Business. Ooh. And uh, these are, I, I think, it doesn't get any. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need that. that that's a perfect entry, right? Because then I think um, when you have that kind of knowledge and then it, it just is such an eye opener, right? Mm -hmm. you, you understand how does it apply to what I'm doing? Right. Because the brain is in everything. Yes. Feedback, engagement, uh, being innovative, being creative, giving feedback, being productive, yes. communicating effectively yeah. and just experiencing well-being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, a happy and safe brain is a happy and safe person. That's the point. And a brain that sees a dinosaur when all that is there is a lizard is the worst thing you can have among the brains in any space, yes. Be personally or professionally. <laughs> because, right, if you see a dinosaur, that just means you are going to be reactive. Yes. So, you, you calm down till you feel safe again. Uh -huh. And if you want productivity and performance and you've got brains that are all nervous, uh, you know, anxious, not understanding, they don't feel certain, they don't feel recognized, they don't feel acknowledged, they don't feel that their input matters. Well, there is an outcome of that, a yes. predictable outcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to ask you the last question. When it comes to creating psychological safety in your team, whether it's an HR, particularly for HR teams, what are some of the things that we need to be cognizant of as we start to develop ourselves into a more coaching mindset, getting a better understanding of neuro, neuroscience and how it works? How can that help us to create psychological safe HR teams? I, I think you actually mentioned something of the kind before. I think this psychological safety, it, there, it, it's part of what contributes to a growth mindset behavior, I like yeah. to say. And the language is important because the language that everyone uses, yeah, has mm -hmm. to be in such a way that it doesn't trigger the fear circuits. Yeah. Then another thing is when it comes to psychological safety, what are we talking about there? We are talking about having practical approaches that always have the brain in mind that does not affect these five uh, uh, factors that I mentioned earlier, you yeah. know, the, the, the status, the certainty, the autonomy, relatedness and fairness. Mm -hmm. um, and also get to know people, get to know people, you know, how are they wired? You no, know, not just the guessing. Right. And this enables you to help them to take ownership mm -hmm. of their own personal development goals. Mm -hmm. And there has to be purposeful practice. You know, when you have something in place where people do not know why exactly are we doing that again? Mm -hmm. What does it serve? What, you know, there's no shortcut to this, but it has to make sense. People need to be able to reframe things safely. People need to be able to speak up without the blame cycle. Yes. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> so part of the mindset is also, yeah, can I make mistakes? Am I allowed to learn? Yes. 
Am I allowed to learn from that? Mm -hmm. Do I have to spend my time covering up because I'm so afraid that I may, you know, lose my job yeah. or mm -hmm. be reprimanded? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So the, the blame cycle is another thing that is so important. Yeah. And then really knowing what are the systemic issues that need to be addressed. Yeah. Right. Because everything, every element within a system, within an organization, within a team, they, they impact the others. And you always get a feedback loop. You get you get a feedback from what is going on well or what is not going on so well. Yes. And then I would say the last thing would be, yeah, seek and learn from feedback. Mm -hmm. If people can do that, mm -hmm. you can unlock hidden potential, potential. you know, mm -hmm. but, and you can, you can, you can identify real and unconscious barriers to growth and people become energized to overcome these things. Yes. And when you increase neuroagility, you improve the results and and improve business performance so mm -hmm. um yeah i would say that that those those should be the things and that hr is obviously you're not like just someone that is um you're you're part of the business process yes not just this external thing that is has to solve problems when problems that bad. are there yeah yeah it's it's really it's it, you're quite related you're, you're together in yes. it you're in the infrastructure you're in the heart of the machine exactly exactly yes, yes. And, and i think that that is a healthier way to to operate and i think more and more that we are getting to the point now that we've got the millennium, uh, the millennials joining the workforce, and 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 we can see that the, the the their needs are totally different. They're not willing to just clock in, clock out. No, they they want to be stimulated. They, they want, they to, want to be involved. Yeah, absolutely. they want to be involved. They want to be heard. Yeah, and so we have to also close the gap of how things were done and adapt it to the needs of, of today. today. Yes. And because the needs of today are logically the needs of tomorrow. And we uh -huh. are in a world where we are hiring people today for a job that exists in the future. Yep. Oh, yes. And jobs that, ex that exist or that are needed now. If you have, you have, um, you have young people now who are winning Nobel Peace Prizes wanting to change the world from a very young age and finding ways to do that, then you know the workplace really needs to open up, up and, and embrace up that and embrace that and be ready to change because they're not they're not going to stand and take what we would have in previous generations. Um, they're not going to do that. So we've got to be agile. I think the systems the systems, the policies, the approaches, our behavior have of be. leaders also have to adapt. That has to be agile. Yeah. Have to adapt, adjust to what is uh -huh. needed. What does this time call of the processes that we have in place? Exactly. And and it's not to say that what the traditional way is is wrong or it's not about it's not a question of wrong right or, or wrong. right. It's right. a question of does that approach completely serve us now? now and if exactly. the answer is by any means no, then something has to be adjusted. It's exactly. really that simple. It's not exactly. a, it's okay, just adjust it. I yeah. think it was Charles Darwin that said we either adapt or die, right? Yeah. 
That's it. And if you don't want your organization to die, you don't want to have your legacy stopped in its tracks, then the answer is adapt. Yeah, the people, the people. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, Maswell, you survived your time in the sound booth today. I want to thank you so much. For taking the time because I know you are a very busy person to have this conversation with me. I know you could have been <laughs> somewhere so else. But thank you so much for being here today. And I wish you all the best. I will share your contact links in the comments so that people know where to contact you because people need to know you. People need to engage in you in your services and learn from you. And I hope that this will not be the last conversation that we have because I definitely enjoyed this conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much too, Julie. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next Sound Off.